Equality is something which the LGBTQ lobby often goes on about. It all depends, of course, what you mean and what they mean by equality. And there's one particular aspect of equality which I want to focus on today. Let's just set this in context first of all and look at the proportion of the British population who identify as lesbian, gay or bisexual. Unfortunately for us, the Office of National Statistics, the ONS, gathers figures on sexual orientation every year as part of their annual population survey, and they've been doing this for well over a decade. And the latest figures that we have were released in 2016, they relate to 2015, but they don't show a huge amount of change over the years. And those figures showed that 1.1% of the British population identify themselves as gay or lesbian, and 0.6% identify themselves as bisexual. So the total lesbian, gay and bisexual population of Britain makes up around 1.7% of the population. And then they say there are further 0.4% of the population identify themselves as other. They don't fit into heterosexual, straight, bisexual, gay or lesbian categories. So presumably that would include transgender. And a larger group, 4.1%, refused or didn't know how to identify themselves. So these are the people who say, I don't want to answer that question. But we come back to this figure, 1.7% lesbian, gay and bisexual. Now this is a very uh, clear and very consistent figure. I mean, the figure year on year is, is, is always somewhere between 1% and 2% of the population. Now moving on, the ONS survey found that there was a slight difference between the sexes of those identifying themselves as gay. So around 2% of males identified themselves as gay or bisexual, 1.5% of females identified themselves as gay or bisexual. So it, it averages out about 1.7%. So bearing that in mind that around 2% of the male population are gay, here are some disturbing, in a, in a funny way, fascinating statistics given by Public Health England. Now, Public Health England provide figures every year on all sorts of aspects of public health. That includes sexually transmitted infections, what used to be called sexually transmitted diseases. And there are some really quite interesting figures here. Amongst men diagnosed with STIs, sexually transmitted diseases, in 2016, the following proportions were in MSM. Now, MSM stands for men who have sex with men so gay and bisexual men. 86% of syphilis and 65% of gonorrhea. You have read that right. Of all the cases of syphilis diagnosed amongst men in 2016, 86% were gay men or bisexual men. And of all the cases of gonorrhea amongst men in 2016, 65% of cases were gay men or bisexual men. Now, Public Health England give quite an interesting breakdown of the figures over the last five years, in fact. Their figures go from uh, 2016 all the way back to 2012. Number of syphilis diagnoses in England by gender, sexual risk and age group 2012 to 2016. The total for, for male at the top there is uh, 5,598, of which 663 were heterosexual men and gay and bisexual men, MSM, 4,788. And then there are a small number which were presumably ascribed to the small percentage who refuse to say what their sexuality is. So 2% of the male population are producing 86% of 
of syphilis cases and 2% of the male population are producing 65% of gonorrhea cases. And if you look back through the, the data, you have the same story over the last five years, a much higher number of cases amongst gay and bisexual men than amongst heterosexual men by a very large margin. Or put it another way, uh, for syphilis infections, around 1 in 40,000 of the heterosexual population have been reported with an infection. And for gay and bisexual men, the figure is 1 in 120. For gonorrhea, the figures are, for heterosexuals, around 1 in 3,000 have reported an infection. For gay and bisexual men, the figure is 1 in 30. And just to be quite clear, these are rounded figures. Of course, what this reveals is a completely different pattern of sexual behaviour by gay and bisexual men compared with their heterosexual counterparts. Now, if you have gay friends, or gay colleagues, and you have ever chatted about social lives, which I have, it's an unavoidable conclusion that gay men and bisexual men are far more promiscuous than heterosexuals. Far more, not just a little bit more, but by an entire order of magnitude. And these figures back that up with hard data. Clearly the story this tells is that the pattern of behaviour amongst gay and bisexual men is vastly different, vastly unequal if you will, compared with the behaviour of heterosexual men. And this is acknowledged even in those sections of the media who are generally extremely friendly towards the LGBTQ agenda. Here's a news headline from the BBC website. This was a couple of years ago. STI soaring in gay men. Warning. The number of sexually transmitted infections being spread in gay men is soaring according to Public Health England. And here we have a headline from Attitude, which is a gay men's magazine. STI rates continue to rise among gay and bisexual men. So this is a phenomenon that's gone on for a number of years. And the reasons for this are not difficult to work out, but the implications are, I would say universally, but almost universally denied or ignored by the mainstream media. Funnily enough though, the, the gay lobby is quite open about what the cause is. Here's uh, an article from GMFA, which is a gay men's health charity. Five reasons why gay men get more STIs and what we can do about it. So it says the latest syphilis figures from Public Health England make for some pretty grim reading. Over the last five years, the number of syphilis cases have increased by 232%. Once again, gay and bisexual men are most affected. First of all, the good news. Some of that rise is due to more tests being carried out. Yes, but I mean, we need a sense of proportion here. A few more tests carried out. Yes, but that's not going to result in these huge differences in figures where the overwhelming majority, 86% of syphilis cases, are being caused by a mere 2% of the population. That's not down to more tests being carried out. So that's a bit of a red herring. It gets down to brass tacks in the second reason. Less likely to get the Daily Mail running up to shake our hands and congratulate us, though, is reason number two. One of the main reasons for our domination in this field is that we're more likely than our hetero brethren to have lots, and possibly lots, more sexual partners. Well, this is actually getting down to the real reason. 
and that is that there is not equal behaviour between heterosexual and homosexual men. Homosexual men and bisexual men are, as I've said already, far more promiscuous. I mean, exponentially more promiscuous than heterosexual men. And the result is exponential numbers of sexually transmitted infections, particularly syphilis and gonorrhea. But there are other aspects to what we call the gay lifestyle, which are not given a huge amount of prominence when it comes to questions of behaviour and outcome. Here's a poster from Guy's in St Thomas's Hospital in South London. Our A&E admitted 300 GBL overdoses this year. Gay men are dying. So GBL is a drug used by gay and bisexual men in what's known as chemsex. So the whole question of chemsex is, is, shines a very interesting sidelight on the gay and bisexual lifestyle. So here's an article from the New Statesman uh, from April last year. What is chemsex and how worried should we be? Men using specific drugs to have sex with other men is on the rise and there is evidence it's taking a toll on the gay community. What is chemsex? Strictly speaking, chemsex refers to gay or bisexual men using drugs to facilitate sex with other men. Culturally, though, it has become a catch-all term for sex involving drugs and chemsex parties, where groups of gay and bisexual men meet up, get high and have sex with one another. It's important to note that it's distinct from drug use, which later leads to sexual activity. Chemsex is where men take a certain drug or drugs because they are about to have sex. And it continues, what drugs are used? In the UK, at least, research suggests that chemsex usually involves one or a mixture of the following drugs. Mephedrone, also known as MCAT or Meow Meow. This was previously a legal high but is now a class B drug. It is similar to an amphetamine and makes users feel euphoric and affectionate. It can overstimulate your heart and nervous system. GHB, GBL, also known as G, which was referred to in the, the, the guys in St. Thomas poster we looked at just now. These two closely related class C drugs have a relaxing anaesthetic effect which reduces users' inhibitions. They can be very dangerous when mixed with depressants, including alcohol. Uh, methamphetamine, also known as crystal meth. A class A amphetamine, which makes users feel exhilarated and energised. It's very addictive, and some research suggests it can cause brain damage over time. Why use these drugs? These three substances, especially in combination, make users feel relaxed and aroused. As with poppers, GHB is a relaxant, which can make anal sex easier and less painful. And then it continues, what happens at a chemsex party? Multiple men get together and take drugs before having sex, usually with multiple partners, and sometimes over a long period of time. The drugs make it difficult to orgasm, but make users very aroused, and can also enable users to stay awake for days at a time. Alex Kleinberg, a journalist who has attended chemsex parties and has written about the phenomenon, told the Huffington Post, it starts with a bunch of guys in their underwear getting high, and as they get more and more high, they lose their inhibitions. You can find yourself having multiple partners and going for a long period of time. It can last for 24 hours, three days, without people sleeping, new people showing up at three in the morning. It's very intense, very hedonistic. This is more than a bit of drug use at the weekend. <laughs> I mean, for understatements, that gets the prize this week, I think. Is chemsex dangerous? As with any illegal drug use, chemsex is risky because you are putting a range of substances in your body which can slow and speed your heart rate. Substances can be addictive, and as they're illegal, it's impossible to be sure what they contain. Many also claim that the use of the drugs, especially at parties, makes unprotected sex more likely, as they are used 
as sexual disinhibitors and can lead to increased risk-taking. That is um, a recipe for spreading sexually transmitted diseases and other health problems, to put it mildly. What is quite fascinating is if we go back to the Guys in St. Thomas website and their Burrell Street Sexual Health Centre, the obvious advice to gay and bisexual men who are indulging in chemsex and indulging in this extreme form of sexual behaviour, and it is worth emphasising that this is uh, gay and bisexual men, not heterosexual men, who are doing this. The obvious response to this is to, take, to tell gay and bisexual men, this is extremely dangerous. You could end up with all sorts of health problems. You could even die. So avoid it. But they don't do that. It says at Burrell Street we're seeing more gay men who are injecting drugs during sex. The risk of getting an STI or a bloodborne virus is very high. If you must slam, do it safely. Burrell Sex is giving out free slamming packs. Come and get one. Look after yourself over the holidays and let us look after you throughout the year. This was just before Christmas. Our pack contains different colour syringes with needles, so you can tell which are yours at a party. We've included separate 2ml syringes for measuring a dose of G and a spoon to mix the drug with water. Finally, there's a temper dot thermometer, just to make sure you're not overheating. This all comes in a handy pack which doubles as a sharps bin that you can bring back to us. We'll dispose of the bin, giving you a fresh slamming pack. So the NHS are, in this case, in effect, facilitating illegal drug taking and extreme sexual behaviour by providing not the drugs but the equipment with which to use the drugs. And their claim would be, obviously, we're trying to make it safe for them. Well, the whole point about chemsex, it isn't safe. You can't make it safe. It is an innately dangerous and risky form of behaviour, and it is a problem that is growing. It's something which is, I would argue, innate to the gay lifestyle. Highly promiscuous sex and highly dangerous forms of sex seem to be something which a, a significant proportion of the gay population, the male gay population, are indulging in. And before you reach for your keyboard to say, oh, but it's not all gay men, you're tarring them all with the same brush, Let's just look back at what gay men and gay spokesmen actually say. Um, let's re just look back at the GMFA article about you know, five reasons why STIs are going up amongst gay men. It says, yes, I'm pretty certain right now some of you are shaking your fist at the screen or saying, not me. Well, bully and congrats for you. Of course, there's considerable diversity in the number of sexual partners that gay men have, but even if it's not your own behaviour that's creating the challenge, the challenge remains. In recent years, it has become much easier for us to meet other gay men and to have sex with lots of them. Dating apps and chem-fueled sex parties mean that infections can be spread efficiently to large numbers of men in a very short time. Maybe the proportion of us who have lots of sexual partners hasn't changed, but if sexual variety rather than sexual fidelity is your particular bag, it's got that much easier. So saying that it's not absolutely every gay man who does this is rather missing the point. This is part of an observable trend which can be backed up with hard data. I mean, there is promiscuity in all parts of the population. I'm not claiming anything else. But the extremes that gay and bisexual men seem to indulge in, it's almost beyond belief. And this brings me back to my first point about equality. If the LGBTQ community and the LGBTQ lobby want gay men, bisexual men, to be treated equally, then I think it's, there's some onus on gay and bisexual men 
to behave equally with the rest of the population. At the moment, the idea seems to be that gay men, bisexual men, can do whatever they want and the rest of us have to pick up the tab. We have to change our laws, we have to change our rules, we have to change our attitudes, all to accommodate a selfish, self-indulgent pattern of behaviour. Otherwise, we're bigots. Otherwise, we're homophobes. Otherwise, we're biphobes. But looking at those figures for STI infections, and the fact that the vast majority of syphilis and gonorrhea infections are caused by just 2% of the population, I would suggest leads us to a rather different conclusion, and that it's the 2% who should be changing their attitude and changing their behaviour. Well, that's all for this week. Uh, I hope you found what I've said interesting. If you like it, subscribe, feel free to leave a comment, and hopefully see you next time. Bye-bye.